Come on, Io. Why don't you give Io a, a welcome this morning as he brings the word of God? Thank you. I don't know about <laughs> the best. <laughs> Amen. Man, it's, it's amazing. I was um, just thinking how that almost everything about this service this morning has totally, totally lined up with what God has in stock for us. And it's just beautiful when that happens because you know it's beyond man. It's beyond people. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit bringing himself and God's heart to everyone from the songs to the things that Pastor David just shared, and it's just amazing. I was, um, there's this show on TV that uh, I was looking at yesterday. It's about truckers and guys who, like, go out in the snow to rescue, like, trucks that have gone into, like, accidents and stuff. And one of the um, guys who drives those, like, rescue trucks, if you'd call it that, had been um, in a roadside accident. He was working on his truck and all of that, and a car rammed into him from behind. And actually wedged him between the truck and the car. And so one of the other truckers went to hospital to visit the guy and was like, look, we have to, you know, stand together with our mates and stuff like that. So they're not left alone at times like this. Now, these guys are not Christian. I'm not saying anything about it being Christian. But it just struck me that he was there on the hospital bed and one of his legs had been amputated. And the other one was like, he had had like five surgeries on the other one in like the last three days, and it was in a cast and all of that. And the guy who came to visit him was there, and he didn't even know what to say. And the guy on the bed was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I did think my life was over, but I'm, I'm going to walk again. I'm, I'm going to walk again. I'm going to get prosthetics legs, and I'm going to walk. I'm, everything is going to be just fine. And it turned out that the guy on the bed was the one who was encouraging the one who came to say hi. That guy stood there and he was at a total, total loss for words. He was like, what kind of a man is this? And Buki and I said to ourselves, look, it's just that difference that perspective makes. There's just that difference that your perspective to life makes. And that's even someone who probably doesn't even give two cents about God. But how easy it is for us in the dailiness of our lives to lose sight of the fact that everything that counts here most likely will not count in heaven. <laughs> and of all that we go after and run after every day, perhaps 2% will matter before God. God is not going to care what side of town you live in. <laughs> God is not going to care what comes into your bank account on payday. God is not going to care if you have three PhDs and stuff like that. So that's what I'm talking about. And, but those are the things that give us a headache every single time. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that I, I just love so much, and I'll start from there. It's, um, it's just powerful, very simple, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation today, and I'm going to do a lot of reading. <laughs> One of the things Paul said to Timothy at some point was to pay attention to the public reading of scriptures. Just pay attention to it. Like Mark shared with us this morning, Jesus showed up in the temple he picked the scrolls, read what it said, and he sat down. <laughs> but today, most times you want, yeah, you read the scriptures and then you're waiting to hear what the preacher has to say about it. <laughs> Let the word speak to you. Amen. So 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, it says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen. 
If that sounds awesome, shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What things are you seeing now? (laughs) Failure or success? Wealth or lack? Happiness or suffering? Everything we see now will pass away. Your body will pass away. And that's good news for, for, for some of us. It's like, yes, a new body with six packs, not one pack. <laughs> but that's not to make light of the script. But everything, everything that constitutes your life now will pass away. And the things that you fail to see, the things that are a little harder to notice, the spiritual things, those are the things that are eternal. Once upon a time, the prophets... Um, the prophet had enraged the king so much that the king, I think it was Ahab or someone, who sent a, a host of soldiers to go capture the prophet. And the prophet's um, servant boy woke up in the morning and stepped out of the tent. And he saw a host of an army just waiting to capture them. And he ran back into the house and told the prophet, or the tent, and told the prophet, we're in trouble now. They've come, they've got us, and it would have been amazing if the prophet just... I don't know, called on the Holy Spirit and said, disappear me now. And then they appear on another mountain like 1,000 miles away or something. The prophet prayed a simple prayer. (laughs) God, open this young man's eyes that he can see. And they went out and they looked. And behind the host of an army, there was a host of angels. They were there all the time. (laughs) But the the, the prophet's servant boy did not see. So there are things in life, there are things in your present circumstance that you're not seeing. And what I'm believing for today and always is that the Holy Spirit would keep our eyes opened to see the hand of God at work, even when we think everything is crumbling down. To see the hand of God at work when we've prayed for so long, we've believed, we've stood in faith, we've been good, and nothing seems to change. Hallelujah. When I say hallelujah, this is like what? The third or fourth time I'm preaching. When I say hallelujah, shout amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And don't dare stereotype me. Oh, he's black. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) Amen to Jesus. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation a whole chapter of Romans 5. And you're not allowed to sleep. And I would like you to please, um, for the sake of, like, so our minds are all in one place, please don't turn your Bibles there unless you're reading a New Living Translation. Because sometimes you get distracted and you're like, oh, what word is that? Where is that? Like, that's not here. Like, stuff like that. It's, it's a Bible. It's not, <laughs> it's not like fake or something. <laughs> so, if you're in New Living Translation, you can open to Romans chapter 5. If not, just please listen. And I'll try and... Um, be clear. Therefore, verse 1, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. 
And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for our sins. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ, who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I'm getting to the end now, so just stick with me. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That just makes me want to scream. <laughs> it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. And come to think about it, how much of our gospel is good news? How much of what is being pandered around and about on the internet and all through media is true good news? It's a lot of condemnation. It's a lot, lot of guilt peddling. It's a lot of everything except what Scripture says is free. It's God's wonderful free gift. And sometimes you'd notice that it sounds quite repetitive. 
and you wonder why was this guy saying the same thing over and over again. It's because it was so important you had to get the point. From time past, time immemorial, the law, the commandments. And when we talk about the law and commandments, it's not Sunday school, Ten Commandments. It's like the, the, the average Jew, the Israelites, had a total of 600, approximately 638 laws that they had to line up with and obey. Those are the stuff in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers, the parts of this Old Testament you hate reading because it's like, thou shalt not, thou shalt, if thou, thou shalt not, and all. Now, to mess up in one of those 600-plus laws meant you were condemned. Now, how easy would that be? So the point Paul was trying to make to the Romans was this, that God never designed the law to be a basis for justification or to stand right. God never designed the law to be the basis for which people could come to him. He gave the law so that they could see their need of a savior. But the error the Israelites made was when God was speaking the law through Moses and he declared it to the people, instead of them, or rather than say, oh my Lord, help us. How can we ever make it right with God? Send us help. They were like, now every single commandment we will obey. And that was the error. How often do we put up roadblocks before sinners and say, oh, you have to be good enough to come to church. You have to clean up. You have to get your act together. Or come, come. you may say come as you are, but somewhere in your heart you're like, my, I hope this guy meets God like today because <laughs> I'm so ashamed to bring this guy to church. But no. How often do we, yeah, mount those standards? Meanwhile, Jesus said to any who believe, not to any who have set themselves up right and have measured up to the pastor's standard and then accept me or believe, but to any, that if any would believe on him, they would be saved. Today I want to talk about grace. I want to awaken a love for God's grace in your heart again. Because that is, it's, it's, it's a key to release from a lot of the pain that even we as Christians battle with every single day. And understanding that I never came to Christ by anything I did for myself. I never came to God by any standard I qualified for. But because his free, free gift of righteousness was given to me. Verse 3 of that passage said something about rejoicing in problems and trials. And you ask yourself, is this guy for real? Like, I understand, like, enduring problems and trials. I understand, yeah, putting up with it and hoping that it goes away like today. But rejoicing in them? And then he goes on to say, why? Because those trials, those tests produce endurance in you. And the more you're able to handle stuff like that, the more you've built character. And your character is your light to the world. It's not so much of your words. It's not so much of what you say, but who you are. And of course, who you are impacts on what you do. So that's the template. That's the design. And when, when, when this writer was speaking about problems and trials, he wasn't talking about how that you were like, what? 10 minutes late in the morning for work and then you get to your car and find out that it's all frosted over and 
You turn the engine and it doesn't start and you're like, oh, this is a trial. <laughs> or you get to work and then they just keep loading you up with more and more responsibilities and it's the same pay. No pay increment or increase. You're like, oh man, okay, I'll just endure this because it will make me a better man. Now, when Paul was writing to the Romans about problems and trials, these guys were being arrested and fed to lions because they were Christians. These guys would go into church and not know if they would get back home in one piece. The, 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 the Romans technically invented the streetlights. And how they did that was because they had an arena where they would, just for the, fun, for the sake of fun and entertainment and stuff like that, bring out Christians they had arrested and hang them on poles alive and pour bitumen over them and set them ablaze. So that fire would light the arena. That was where the concept of streetlights came from. So I'm trying to shift your <laughs> focus to see the kinds of problems and trials this guy was talking about. So you can then place your problems and trials on a scale <laughs> and say, so where exactly do I fit in here? Perspective changes everything. But yet, he told those guys to rejoice in their problems and trials. The ability to survive. And I mean, I've, I've, I've preached once about uh, surviving the, the thicker, thickest part of a storm. I've, I've shared stuff in time past about how to get through those kind of things. But today, I'll just leave at that and say, look, two things I try to remember when things are not going right is the fact that once upon a time, God got me out of tougher stuff. So when you, we often as Christians have like short-term memory or something, and in the, in, the, in the face of like this big problem, you're like, oh God, help me, I'm in trouble, and you just crumble. Not everyone, but yeah, perhaps. But all it takes is sometimes to remember the last time you thought it was over and how that God pulled through. Then you know, oh, God is able to handle this. It's just that remembering, just looking beyond what is seen to what is not seen. Hallelujah. We have a deal. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Back to, uh, look at this, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, and I hope it's okay to take this off, I'm... Hallelujah. I can actually break up a sweat in snow. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, so it's all right. Now verse 6 says this. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. I'm just going to highlight some of these things as, as we work through the chapter. Just like three more things or so. And then we'll begin to attempt to close. But remember, the aim is to help you look at your life, look at yourself, stand before God and understand or come to a reawakening to the fact that everything you received, all you can rejoice in today, all you can, all you can hope for if you are not in Christ is as free as the next minute and you say, yes, Lord, I believe. All the helplessness, utterly helpless, that's what the passage says. If you've ever been in the pangs of addiction, if you've ever been in the pangs of slavery, you know what it means to be utterly helpless. 
And it says Christ showed up at the right time. Jesus Christ did not wait for you to get your act together. He never waits for you to be just right or perfect. He shows up and he does it for you. When we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. How many of us refrain from helping others because they are not as spiritual as we are? How many of us refuse to share a coffee with that workmate because he's vulgar or loud or just not not quite there in terms of your standard? Or how many of you do share a coffee with a workmate who is vulgar and then you want to enter the ground when Pastor Kate walks by? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Because a lot of the time, as Christians, sometimes we care more about what other people think about us than what God thinks about us. And you're like, "Um, should I be here? (laughs) Grace. Free. If, If there's... Something that would ring in your heart as as you leave today, it's that all this, all we read was God reaching out to you. But how many times, even our sons, our daughters, our children, our family members, we say, no, that's it. No more help. You've been this way. You've done this. It's been one cycle after the other and over and over and over again. Sort yourself out or nothing more. Is that grace? Remember the parable about the servant who owed the king so much. So much he could never repay in a lifetime. And the king wrote off his debt. And he left the king's presence. And immediately saw some other fellow who owed him like two cents. Compared to what debt the king forgave. And he had that man thrown in jail. Some of the. Excuse me. One of the most intriguing things about us. And how we can often find ourselves in a rot, in a place where we're just so far from God's true image from scriptures, is that we accept grace. We love grace. We sing about grace. And then we go out, and it's the last things on our minds to extend grace to someone else. How many of you judge the homeless? How many of you judge the busker by the roadside? How many of you judge people you come across every day? From that standpoint of, oh, he's not, nah, because you think you're. But you, whatever, wherever you are, you're there because God freely gave grace. And Jesus came. The reason we're still here, the reason why, I mean, it would have been so awesome. It would have been like, thank you, Lord. No problems, no trials. Get saved, disappear, you're in heaven. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> but the whole plan, the whole plan of God was that Jesus would come at a time be in one place, live, die, pay the sacrifice, and return. But he had, in quotes, infected the world with faith, with grace, with love, so that everyone who comes to receive it will be in two million places at the same time, extending the same nature of God's grace to people. But we fall short of that standard when we pick our noses up and are self-righteous and self-justified before everyone else. Hallelujah. You know, Philemon chapter 1 and 6, and it's a very simple passage. It's a passage that says how that, that the communication of your faith might become effectual 
by the acknowledging of every good gift that you have in Christ. What that simply means, the word communication there is not like verbal speech or anything. It means the living out, the expression of your faith might become effective or powerful when you acknowledge all that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes what you hear right now, what what we've seen in scriptures can mark the transformation and the change in your life. If you found yourself time and time again crawling up to the throne of grace and begging for mercy as though you were a helpless sinner, even though you've been in church 50 years or you've given your life to Christ, like, and you still feel guilty, you still feel guilty, worthless, like undeserving before God because of the deeds or the acts or the sins that you commit or that you're bound to. Coming to realize that God loved you freely when you were in the worst state of sin. And saved you. Loved you enough to save you then. So what makes you think that the God who loved you by grace will now judge you or will now condemn you or turn you away? He says, Jesus speaking, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world will be saved. That through me the world will be saved. There's no need to be helpless as a Christian. There's no need to Beat yourself over and over and over again for every time you stuff up or fail or fall. Otherwise, you tell yourself, you, look, it's, I'm beginning to sound like a broken record. Like every day I come back and I beg for mercy, I cry, I weep, and I still feel guilty. But that passage says that all, all sins forgiven freely by his grace. That releases you to stand before God and enjoy your relationship with him. That releases you to find power every single day. That itself is the power over sin, as the last verse says there, that would live in triumph, victory over sin and death. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Paul was writing once, and he described uh, this system of do's and don'ts. Because we, we all find ourselves in that place where you measure your faith, you measure your fervency, you measure your goodness based on how good you've been. I was thinking the other day about um, Santa Claus and that song. I, I wasn't able to um, look it up because we've, we haven't had internet in our house now for three months. And it's, it's, it's outrageous. Like I, You never know how much you depend on stuff like that until you lose it. Like Africans say that a cow doesn't know how important its tail is until it loses the tail. Because <laughs> it's just there as an appendage and it's like, yeah, just feeling fly. But then when the tail is gone, it's like, <laughs> what can I do? Help me, help me and all that. But Santa Claus, if, if someone could please possibly just in two seconds, Google, maybe Joel, just this song, um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Aha. And then I'll read a few lines from there just so you see what I'm saying. Because so long we we come to a place where we are, my goodness or my righteousness or my, the extent to which I feel good about myself in church or outside church or anywhere is based on if I've been good or if I've been bad. Sometimes we don't even have the the confidence to pray for others. Sometimes we lack the, the zeal or the confidence to stand out and speak faith into our situations. Because you remember, oh, I shouldn't have said that yesterday and I haven't had time to...
confess. Or you remember, oh, I, I did this so, so long ago, but I haven't really stepped up to it to own up and stuff like that. Or, oh, I was on that website yesterday and I shouldn't have been. And that's all that comes to mind each time you want to stand before God. That's good. Listen to this. Now, I'm not saying Santa is God. <laughs> but then put yourself in the mind of a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Sometimes that's the first. It's easy for them to link that to how, okay, well, if Santa's, oh, let me read. <laughs> let me just read. It's amazing how fast you got that. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> scary. You better watch out. <laughs> you better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> this, is, this is outrageous. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. <laughs> now, how many of us measure ourselves before God based on how good we've been? Now, it's good. I'm not asking for a show of hands. Obviously not. But think about it. Sometimes you feel God owes you an answer because you're, you've never missed a, an opportunity to sow into someone's life. So when I ask, you need to do. <laughs> you need to answer. Or someone, you feel, oh, I've been, I've been out in the fields. I've, I've given my own share to the kingdom. So why is God not answering? Why did I lose that family member? Why did everything not turn out right? Because you think God owes you more because you are a better Christian than the second man. But is that how it works? <laughs> That's so, it couldn't be farther from how it works. Because before you had an opportunity to do one good act, God loved you unconditionally. He loved you the perfectest way he could possibly ever love you. To think that we could deserve more of God's grace or deserve more of his goodness is to actually believe that God never loved us perfectly in the first place. Because if it's perfect, it's complete. I can just enjoy it. I can just live knowing God loves me. God loves me perfectly. But to think the more, I've, okay, the day I, I sped past the red light, it's amazing. I hear Christians say, oh, so what do you think about breaking the laws? of the land, like breaking the red light. or I'm like, seriously? <laughs> now, like Jesus said, who should we pay taxes to? Give me a coin. Whose head is on that? Caesar. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's what is God or give to God what is God's. If I'm caught, not to, now let's get this right. <laughs> it was like, oh, I know I've been seeing you speeding around. <laughs> no, no. But the point is this. The law is the law of the land. I'm a lawyer. I mean, like, I'm a lawyer, so I'm definitely not saying break the lights, the 11th commandment, do not get caught. Nah, <laughs> not any of that. But I'm saying, listen to this. I have to show you this. And this is what I'm saying, so I'm not changing the subject. Romans 4, verse 7. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. The New King James Version says, whose sins God is not even computing against them. It simply means God is not keeping a list. He's not going to take, okay, you were bad on that day, you were good on this day, you were bad, good, bad, good, uh, let's do the tally. Okay, hell. <laughs> That's, 
Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven, whose sins God has put out of sight. And that's what Christ did. To think otherwise is to diminish the value of the cross. We sing about the cross. We do all of that every day. It's awesome. And it, sometimes I literally want to rip my skin open in excitement in worship. But then you step out of church and then the way you run your relationship with God is based off of works and commands and laws and when you've been good and bad. And all I'm saying today is this. God promised eternal life. He gave it as a free gift that you received. If you haven't, this is the way, this is the path, this is the gate to freedom. All your life, people told you there's no free lunch in Freetown. If you're going to get it, you have to work for it. And then you've struggled and struggled because who can ever measure up to the righteousness of God? Who can, when will you get righteous enough for God to look at you? You'd never get there. So coming to an understanding that Jesus, the very point for which he came, was to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. There's release in the house this morning. It might not be for everyone in the sense that it might not apply to everyone. Because perhaps you've been good. Your list is all good. But for those who are struggling, for those who feel the pain every single day and don't even know if they're good enough and are saved or are not quite good enough, there's release. When you wake up to the reality that everything God has laid before us was free of charge. It's simple. I, I'm actually telling myself, okay, um, say something else. But no, that's the whole point. That's like the full stop. After that, there's nothing else. It's free. For those who believe, for those who receive it, it's free. And Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit whom God has put in our hearts is a deposit. He's a guarantee. He's that seal saying, surely you will be with me in eternity. That's what it means, a guarantee. You make a deposit on something, and the reason you committed the deposit is because you intend to pay in full. So the Holy Spirit is that deposit in our hearts saying, surely, without a doubt, free of charge, one day coming soon, you will stand with me in eternity. And if it's otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. What did he say to the rogue on the cross beside him? Today, you will be with me in eternity. He didn't say, nah, nah, I'm giving you life. You won't die. Just go ahead and do good. Be good. Pay your tithes. Go on missionary trips. Do everything. And then we'll see if you quite qualify. No. He accepted him and he said, today, you will be with me. In paradise. Galatians. The book of Galatians. Paul was writing them. And the, the problem they had. If you could. I mean take time out. And just read through that. Is the very thing we speak of today. How that they were saved by grace. And. Thought that they could then begin to. Merit. Righteousness by their works. And Paul said to them. He says. Who has bewitched you? Who put a curse or a spell on you that you think that you were saved by grace, but now you can be good or merit 
God's grace by your works. And he said how that the law was a babysitter. The law was just given as a babysitter to watch us till Christ came. And now that Christ come or has come, there's no need for a babysitter. There's no need for a tutor anymore because the one he was preserving us and keeping us for has already come. So walk in grace, folks. Walk in grace. It's a change in mindset. It's a switch in perspective. Everything we think, everything we sing, everything we do, if it spills out of that understanding, I'm already saved. I'm already 100% standing before God in righteousness. When God looks at me, He sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Christ in me. Not my failings. It's hard to come to terms with because even our parents, many times, that's not how they raised us. You get the lolly when you've been good. You get the new pair of shoes when you've got like maybe some excellent result at school or something. And it's very, very conditional. <laughs> you go into a relationship or you get married and, oh, your husband is bad and you, you just turn the back to him in the room and, or you just give him a cold dinner or something and because he wasn't good that day or on the other side of the coin there's the guy who just does everything good all week just for Saturday or something and then God help you Saturday afternoon you mess up and then you know well you just lost the whole good because of that one thing you see how almost all the spheres of our human contact is conditional that's why when you stand before God, it's easy for that mindset to still apply. But the whole point is that it doesn't. And that is the release you need to actually enjoy walking with God in righteousness. Grace does not mean, okay, I'm free to just live anyhow, I'm free to do anything. Paul said, Romans 6, 1, Shall we continue in sin so that grace might abound? God forbid. If it even enters your mind, then you need to question whether you really understand your salvation. But that is the release. That is the release. Please come up. You're good. Let's just. And I'd love us to just raise, when, when we close now, just raise that song, O Lamb of God, but from the very start. And we'll just stand and let's rise to our feet. Let's rise to our feet. Very, very simple. Very, very simple. A grace awakening. An awakening to the free gift of God. It's something to scream about. It's something to value, cherish, rejoice in. All my life in trying to measure up, in trying to be good enough for dad to love me. Perhaps you've grown in a family where it's been competition. Perhaps you've had broken home, broken relationship again and again, failure all over. It, it doesn't matter. Because long, long, long before you ever failed, long, long, long before you ever messed up, long, long, long before your first lie or sin, God decided in himself, I love you. free gift.
free gift. And those are the two things today. My walk with God, switching my perspective around to understand how that it's all about God's free gift. Before I was saved and every day of my life. Flip side of the coin. What culture do we create in this place? What, what community do we want to draw people into if we're going to stand over them as judges? If we're going to stand over them in condemnation? Whether in here, out there, it must be about that free gift. An offense at work against you. Free gift. Grace. Release. A betrayal, free gift, release. Why? Because he who has been forgiven much, forgives much. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name. Just rejoice in God. Just rejoice in God from the depths of your heart. Just speak it out to him. Just speak it out to him right now. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Your unchanging grace, your eternal love. Every single one in this place. Look within you and let there be a grace awakening in your heart. Thank you, mighty God. You receive it high above the hills. Just think on every word. Left it all to lower than the angels. And then be judged by those you had created. The wonder of it all. The wonder of it all. And in the darkness of that final moment, stripped and beaten, the King of Kings now broken. Love was poured out, winning our atonement. The wonder of it all, the wonder of it all. And what seemed a sure defeat would be your victory. Oh, Lamb of God, oh, Lamb of God, you gave it all, you gave it all. We are nothing but dust. Oh, thank you, Abba Father. So, what reason is there to remain helpless when there's help right there before you? What reason is there to remain thirsty, hungry, empty when there's a feast 
laid before you free of charge come to the throne of grace find help find mercy today if you're here this morning and it's been a cycle of defeat and it's been a cycle of pain a cycle of shame helplessness and you've never come to accept the free gift that God prepared in his son Jesus I want to ask of you tonight with all eyes closed let's just honor God right now and close our eyes so that that's just so you can feel free to indicate raise your hand if you're here and you want to accept that free gift of God's love just raise that hand it's free it's free says if you hear the voice of the Lord today harden not your heart there might be many reasons there might be many reasons why you think you don't quite measure up there might be many reasons why you think there's more for you outside of God than in God but I encourage you today is the day of salvation don't hold back don't hold back that is God reaching out to you and if it was just you on the face of the earth he would have come and died to set you free that's how precious you are let's just see that hand those hands there's anyone here thank you mighty God you could step out just come out please and we'll just have Pastor Dave minister to you, please. Just um, love you, Lord Jesus. Oh, precious Lamb of God. Precious Lamb of God. There's healing in this place. There's always healing. Because God is a God of power. God is a God of life. God is a God of hope. Just this last week we got news of someone we had been praying for in our group for a few weeks a little girl a granddaughter of one of our folks here in church who was diagnosed with cancer leukemia cancer of the blood and it was a dire situation she went in for all the tests and all the treatment and all but we held her up week after week before God's throne we spoke life we spoke healing into her and just last week, we got that text saying that they ran a scan or a test of about, I don't know, 200,000 cells of blood cells. And they found 0% leukemia. Not a single cell. Not a single cell. God keeps us. He keeps us. He heals. He touches he transforms. He delivers. <laughs> I. God is awesome. If you're sick in your body here, if there's a part of your body that has pain or disease, very, very simply, I want you to gently lay your right hand on that part of your body. Just in faith. That's all God requires of you, faith. It's simple and it's free. 
it can be known to just you and no one else and right now as we stand in worship before the throne of grace God being very present I just release the healing power of the Holy Spirit on you now healing power on you on that cell on that organ on that part of your body thank you Holy Ghost thank you Jesus life restored <laughs> strength restored receive perfection in your body now in the name of Jesus we love you Lord it's that simple you can check you can check it's that simple healed by the power of God thank you Lord thank you mighty God Lord you're worthy we thank you mighty God